Hello, we're the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'll be joined by one of my fellow pros to pick apart various PR and marketing topics, demystify the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Occasionally, we'll be bringing on some special guests for bonus episodes. You can find all the latest episodes and keep in touch with us at adpr.co.uk or find us on all the socials. You can find the handles in our bio. So grab your cuppa and join us and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss the latest episodes. Hello and welcome back to the Revitalize and Grow podcast. Um, I'm Jenny, your host, and this week is the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if you're a regular listener, um, you'll know that this is the episode where we look at uh, recent-ish PR campaigns and news, and we look at some good ones, some bad ones, what went wrong, what we thought they did right, things we can learn from them, etc. Now, I say recent ones, but actually one of them in here is a sort of vintage one that's come to light again recently, which we shall go into. over to you guys. I think we've got we've got a few bad ones actually this week, haven't we? Mm. we do, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we'll start with um, someone that was. I was going to marry him, Prince Harry. I think a lot of people felt like that uh, many moons ago. Um, but for me, a bad one at the moment is kind of Prince Harry's launch of his book Spare. I mean, you can take as much as possible just from the title. Um, (laughs) I personally think this is pretty bad. I get that him and his wife want to talk about their experiences and put their views across, but generally I think it's been quite poorly managed. And Mm -hmm. um, whilst there are absolutely, if you've read the book, if you've not read the book, there's obviously been some things that have happened in his lifetime in as part of Harry and Meghan's relationship that absolutely shouldn't have happened or the protocols need to be updated in the royal family who knows I'm not a royal um (laughs) but actually I think just the way that it's all been handled the launch of his book the Oprah interview the Netflix Uh series I just think it's not been handled very well and it's not come across for Harry and for Meghan very well and I think that's actually probably had a little bit of a backlash on him in terms of what he was hoping to achieve by writing a book was to set the record straight and to have his say Mm. and to have an unedited version of it. But actually, in my truly honest opinion, and sorry, Harry, I do love you. I did love you. Was that, uh, (laughs) like, just sounds like a spoiled brat. And and it's not come across very well for him in the way Mm. that he's talking about what's happened. And perhaps there are some more more professional grown-up ways of perhaps dealing with everything that's happened yeah I think and and again everyone will have different views on the royal family anyway and we won't go into that (laughs) but more just yeah how things have been covered and I think I suppose it's it was it was always going to be the particular and particular types of media as well that were going to pull out the Mm -hmm. most controversial elements maybe yes. and it hasn't yeah as you say it's not necessarily it hasn't really felt like they've been in control of mm. what's happening 
could be wrong, but it hasn't felt that way. I feel like they've been in control of what they're doing, i.e. Mm. like writing a book, setting up interviews, writing documentaries. And I get, I like, I understand the logic behind wanting to do it, having their say, wanting to set the record straight, like not having a watered down version or an edited version of what happened or what they say happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've obviously, from that perspective, he wrote the book, he knew when it was coming out, etc. Uh, but absolutely in terms of like feedback from the media or from like the general public who are generally the biggest royal supporters, if you like the royal family. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I just don't think it's, it's not all been probably handled the way he expected or got the response that they were hoping for. Like, don't get me wrong. I still think there's support for him and people will still love him. Um, I just think it's not the reflection that he was mm. perhaps hoping for certainly I think in my as opinion well, the, yeah I think as a lot of the uh, some of the stuff I don't want to generalize too much that was pulled out and covered in the media seemed quite petty and yes. you know I'm you know I am sure sort of my point of view is God, I feel like that's really masking some of the actual very serious underlying mm-hmm. issues sure. that there are and then the smaller things I mean I know we were laughing about it and it's like oh he broke my necklace and we were like sibling rivalry I mean <laughs> my little brother bit through my jeans once when we were like, <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely like you do loads, don't you like when your brothers and sisters like siblings whatever like they always fight and yes. but you always love each other but yeah. would I really write it in like my memoirs mm. or like the autobiography of me no because in a way that was I suppose a you could write about sibling fights and things but, but not maybe in a in that kind of way it would be like <laughs> we had a fight and yeah, <laughs> this, or like this is what happened or, 75 but, of 6,000 yeah. this week like I feel like some of those things that have been put in there are actually maybe positioning Harry as maybe being a little bit out of touch Mm. with like what else is going on in the world or how like it's being perceived because maybe that was a really big deal to him but in the context of everything else that's in the book Mm. or everything else that he's trying to talk about because there are some don't get me wrong there's some bigger issues in that he talks about of things that have either happened or that perhaps need to change but because of the way it's written and the fact that this was this really huge thing and mm-hmm. like it's come across very anti like the royal family of which he's part of and it's, he used to be really proud of. Yeah. Um, it also goes to show sort of that nature of media in terms of you can't always, you know, you can as much as you want try to have your the messaging that you want out there, but actually you can completely lose control of the narrative because they can they can take whatever they want from the information that's available to them. And but we all know it's those classic examples of kind of taking a soundbite without actually mm-hmm. giving the full context. I know there was a lot um of Quite funny, I'll admit, sort of taken from the audio book. You know, there was quite a lot on social where people were taking snippets and creating quite funny videos Mm -hmm. out of snippets of the audio that that kind of ridiculed Harry quite a lot. Mm. And you can tell there was more context around it that just wasn't explained. Yeah, I think it's a really good example of how 
things can be taken entirely out of context. And then all this focus is on certain quite petty elements rather mm. than it being yeah, the bigger like picture. Yeah, like Jack was saying earlier, weren't you, Jack, about um, like South Park have made their own version mm. of it as well. And we all know kind of <laughs> where South Park sits and their kind of views. Yeah. But because they've been able to do absolutely that is take sound bites out. Um, I mean, but there was a small brand, wasn't there, Kira? Yeah. That kind of small brand, small company that mm-hmm. managed to get some really good PR out of it. Yeah. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So to pivot that slightly, um, actually, a really small independent bookstore, so not a Waterstones by any means, um, in Swindon really capitalised on the downfall of (laughs) (laughs) this launch. Uh, But the fact that it was everywhere, um, Mm -hmm. absolutely everywhere, Harry's autobiography. So, yeah, it was very successful in a very clever way. So they were called, they're called Burt's Books. um, And they Great name anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Bit of alliteration, love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they went uh, viral after PRing through uh, some social media tweeting, photos of their window display in their bookshop um, which showed Prince Harry's autobiography alongside a Bella Mackey's bestseller of How to Kill Your Family. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So obviously uh, everyone can make (laughs) a funny connection there and the UK media picked up on that quite quickly and featured it in a lot of coverage which obviously for a very small little independent bookstore uh, Mm -hmm. based in Swindon um, was yeah hugely successful um spare was really highly anticipated given the allegations Harry mm. was making anyway so I think for a small brand to take this a bit one step further and make a bit of a humorous display um out of it yeah it was really really clever and great <laughs> great example of news jacking which we talk about quite a lot mm-hmm. don't we making you know seeing what's currently in the news what's trending what people are talking about and putting your spin on it and getting involved in the conversation in a way that's appropriate for your brand or company yeah um it's a great example of that I'm sure that I think we talk about news jacking a lot on lots of different episodes and that's a really good example of how to do it it was part of the way they'd done it so it was like altering between spare and how to kill your family and spare so it looked like a good display anyway Mm. obviously there's some real irony there but um I think what helped it as well was there was like celebrity endorsement from it obviously Greg James is married to Bella Mackey who's the author of How to Kill Your Family so he'd promoted it and then someone else had and some so there was a lot of like endorsement of Mm. I mean it was brilliant like genius the way they'd done it and done it so quickly and that's often what the case is with newsjacking isn't it is being able to pull something off really quickly Mm. and getting it out to the media or across your social channels so that you can tell everyone and a great thing for socials is that humor always works really well for social isn't it and that captured it brilliant it kept you know everyone it was a topic that everybody knew about it was every it was everywhere so you they didn't need to explain anything did they, they could just post just the picture mm. and that was it, was it. Like, this didn't... is our new window display yeah, i think that did... was it yeah, it didn't need to be like, yeah, how creative are we? It was just yeah. just the picture. And yeah, it was brilliant. Great book, by the way, How to Kill Your Family, if no one's... Oh, I'm reading it at the moment. It's Very it's good, good. Yes. yes. I say read, I'm Audible. I listened to it on Audible and it was really good. The narration's oh, very good as well. I'm a reader. <laughs> 
Um, okay, I think we've probably covered. I mean, could go on forever, couldn't you? But um, that's enough of having. They've had enough airtime on that. That's fine. <laughs> um, a good. I think one of maybe one of the only good ones we have in, in our sea of bad examples uh, this episode is Airbnb. Kira, I think that was one that you spotted yeah. fairly recently. Yeah, so another fairly recent one and obviously topical to the current public affairs and goings on globally. So obviously with the Ukrainian war at the moment, um, Airbnb organisation decided to campaign to help house 100,000 refugees who have fleed uh, Ukraine. Um, So it's a really nice, of course, initiative in order to support those people regardless of their nationality, race, ethnicity, um, et cetera. So, yeah, offering those temporary stays for absolutely free mm-hmm. uh, most of the time or at a quite considerable discount. Um, and I just think the messaging behind this has been really nice and it's definitely been timely to the needs mm-hmm. of others. And it's just, yeah, considering, um, I suppose, that sort of um, values that they must mm. be aligning to. And, yeah, I just thought it was quite a nice campaign to offer obviously if anything they'll probably be using money doing this but it's yeah good good coverage good media coverage good people talking about it on social but exactly I suppose again as you say it really it wasn't this is an example as well isn't it of doing something for good that aligns with who you are as a brand and a company isn't isn't forced you know you can Mm -hmm. see and now I can't think of an example off the top of my head which is very annoying but you can (laughs) but when brands or companies try to force something or piggyback on something that isn't authentic and isn't doesn't sit naturally with their brand and people think you know why are you offering that particular thing it doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. make sense yeah it's been done for the right reasons hasn't yeah. it because it's something that it, well I mean accommodation is Airbnb isn't it entirely mm. so they're actually doing something that they can totally control but also they're doing it to help not to make money or for media coverage mm-hmm. obviously media coverage is a bonus um but they've done it to actually to help as the first and foremost yeah be nice and, and, it, and it has to be you have to have that authenticity um, otherwise, it can't be marketing-led. Can it? Stuff like this cannot be marketing-led, however much companies often want marketing to come up with these sorts of ideas. That's not where it should be. It should be coming from your top level that wants to change something um, that's true to your business and means something and has purpose and isn't just for column inches, which certainly wasn't what this seemed to be did it and it wasn't actually the first time that airbnb did offer help in crisis so they did actually provide the same free accommodation and discounted um places during covid for frontline workers as well Mm -hmm. so you can tell it's an integrated uh theme um Mm -hmm. for the brand and yeah as you say isn't solely to do with publicity because everybody um I think would be pretty sure know what Airbnb is um so yeah I just thought it was a really nice way to help provide um that support Mm -hmm. to the UN and refugees as well yeah very I don't think I saw anything negative about that which is you know which is a nice one yeah 
a good mm. one. Oh, and our only good one for this episode. <laughs> but, but Sorry, everyone. Um, where would you like to go next? We had a few. We'll, whether we cover all of them or not, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we go. But where do you guys want to go next? There was a. I know there was a few that. Should we talk about match up. of the day, Jack, with Gary yeah. Lineker? I think that's quite a topical one at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us what happened? Yeah, so basically, uh, Gary Lineker from Match of the Day tweeted about how the immigration policies were similar to 1930s Germany. And that didn't go down too wow. well. And so, what, a couple <laughs> days later, they took him off the air, mm. which then caused pretty much every single other BBC presenter to strike. And mm. BBC, I think they've now gone back on all of it. Yeah, they have. And they've apologised and yeah. just a massive disaster for them all around. I, th- I think it's really difficult, isn't it, with the BBC, because it's such an like, independent... Because everyone like, owns well, it's it built on being in impartial, it. isn't and it? It's built the cornerstone of it is being impartial. Absolutely. And so, like, often you can see on like celebrities or BBC presenters, this is like Twitter bios or Instagram or whatever, that says like their views are their own and mm. they're not associated with the BBC, etc. So, with that in mind, like, I mean, we're all people, everyone does have their own right to say what they think or mm. to have an opinion etc I feel like it was quite I mean we're talking about the illegal immigration bill so obviously that's quite a big thing linked to what Kim mm. has just talked about but also everything else that's going on in the world rightly so he has an opinion mm. um which is fine and he's shared that but I think the BBC jumped on it so quickly and so perhaps mm. like trying to protect themselves their knee-jerk reaction was right you've been uh, I wrote down suspended, but he wasn't suspended. He was like asked to take a back seat uh, <laughs> or step down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caused like chaos, didn't it? Because like people were like, well, I'm not going to watch it. Other BBC presenters and sport presenters were like, right, I'm out. Don't, I'm not going to be presenting until you reinstate him. Or And the BBC were just trying to investigate what happened mm. like do the right thing um so it all just has <laughs> quite quickly it is tr- it's really it? tricky isn't it i think as you can imagine the bbc have really really strict social media guidelines for anybody that works for them which most most companies have a social media policy we've got a social media policy everybody ha- you know in particularly i mean big companies and big organizations like the bbc have very strict guidelines, but yeah, does that mean that you can't have an opinion on anything at all? That's put, and you know, for him, I imagine it's you know, I've got this great platform. A lot of people follow me. This bill is horrendous. Yeah. Sorry, personal opinion, um, <laughs> but <laughs> and, and you know, I want to say something about that. And I think obviously the. What they need to do as well, I think, is there needs mm. to be how they apply it and where that consistency is too. So does it make a difference what part of the BBC you work for, whether you're a news presenter, whether you're a match of the day presenter? Um, and then, of course, the big, not even an elephant in the room, the big thing that's annoying everybody is, of course, the chairman, I'm going to say, chairman is a big Tory donor. And mm-hmm. also organised a great big loan for Boris Johnson. So it's like, how impartial are you? When <laughs> yeah. and why is it that when suddenly someone's speaking out against a conservative government, and then it's like, oh, well, quick, no, 
pull them yeah. away because but, it's suddenly doing something that's mm-hmm. maybe what also like can be drawn from this is that actually people interpreted his tweet in different ways because then other um like MPs Tory MPs were jumping in saying oh you're a racist or this or that and mm. coming up with things and then literally it was like average Joe people that were trying to stand up for Gary Lineker and being like he didn't say that <laughs> um and then Gary Lineker did join in the conversation and be like no I did not say that and I would never yeah. say something like that so it's all been like twisted and misconstrued mm. and like developed into something totally different he's like I never said that yeah. he's never like trying to ruffle feathers absolutely as you were saying and we see it so many like across so many different campaigns like well-known celebrities or like media personalities we all use them for PR and marketing campaigns because they've got such a big platform and a great audience Mm. and in an ideal world that's being used for good or to like highlight things that need to change or where support needs to be um which is obviously what he was trying to do but yeah it was just yeah uh, it's it's you know I certainly don't think you know it's a real tricky it's a really tricky <laughs> one because you do need to have and there does need to be BBC does have to be impartial mm-hmm. but yeah how far does that stretch I mean think about how I actually don't know but how many employees the BBC have and yeah what at what point are you not allowed to have are you silenced by the organization that you work for when you feel like there's injustices, like what at what point are you not allowed to talk about that? I remember seeing there was a bunch of Alan Sugar tweets from like a year or two ago, and where he's like endorsing like Boris Johnson and stuff, and people were saying, "Well, where's the difference between yeah Alan Sugar and Gary Lineker? They're both you know that they have their own shows and mm-hmm. yeah yeah." And the question if if Lineker tweeted saying, "Oh, I agree with the immigration bill," would he have been mm-hmm. taken mm. off? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's, oh, it's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> they've just not come out well, have they? I think. No. The BBC. And it's, you know, by no means do I envy their PR department <laughs> in, I quite in agree. any way. Because <laughs> you have to, there's a real balance in these sorts of kind of crisis situations where you need to respond quickly, but equally, you need to take some there needs to be thought before you respond so that you're not you're not responding um inappropriately or having to backtrack a bit later you know there's there's a real fine balance isn't there of thought and speed and you know making sure you're saying the right stuff so yeah i don't you know they certainly haven't come out well have they, they at the moment the no. bbc and you know and they, you know i'm not going to say everyone but most people love Gary Lineker. He's sort of a bit of a, you know, face that people, a friendly face. People have grown up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's always going to have quite a lot of support. Okay. Yeah. And it's not how, because, you know, there's a, without, you know, wanting to go too far into it as well, but there is always, although the BBC, BBC even, the Beeb say they are impartial, there are a lot of people that say that have said for, years and years and years and years and years that they're not and that it's all smokes and mirrors and all this has done is kind of play into that narrative oh, absolutely yeah I mean so like all you have to do is read what happened and then there's an I would say there's a lack of impartiality yeah mm. so yes interesting poor one beeb. poor old beeb <laughs> poor old Gary 
Bold, everyone. <laughs> uh, how about, shall we do, because it's, um, maybe this will be our last one before people get bored of us listening to, um, <laughs> or listening to us slate everyone, um, is the Where's My Jet, which is, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not new, a new campaign, it's is it? Not, it's not, it's, yes, yeah, quite historic campaign now yes I think it was in the 1990s um Pepsi launched a huge campaign about um Pepsi points so um the more cans of Pepsi you bought the more points you got and points mean prizes and everyone loves free stuff um so like the tv ad they developed was like I don't know 70 points buys you gets you a Pepsi baseball cap or 200 Pepsi points gets you a t-shirt etc all the way through to how cool can we be? Okay, so seven million Pepsi points is going to win you a Harrier jet. Um, and one guy, when he was a teenager, was watching it and was like, I want the Harrier jet. I'm going to buy as many bottles and cans of Pepsi as I can to get as many Pepsi points as he can. Um, obviously, to get seven million, that was going to take a long time. But then when he was reading all of the T's and C's, obviously as we all do when there's competitions um, in marketing, he realised that he could buy Pepsi points at a much reduced rate. So actually he could buy 7 million Pepsi points for like 700,000 when a Harrier jet was valued at that point at 32 million. (laughs) So I don't know how, but he's got mates in very high places and um, befriended like a bajillionaire who said, (laughs) I will give you the $700 million for you to get this Harrier jet. So they applied for them. He got the point. Oh, no, he didn't get the points. But Pepsi were like, why do you want this many? And he was like, I want the Harrier jet, naturally. Mm. Um, And it, yeah, so the reason it's come about recently is because there's now a Netflix documentary all about Pepsi wears my jet, and it follows the what happened with the like marketing department at Pepsi. Obviously they were like, well, clearly that was a joke. Like the Harrier <laughs> jet wasn't really something that you mm-hmm. could buy or win. Um, but there was nothing in it to say that the Harrier jet was not a legit prize. If you didn't, mm-hmm. if you got your 7 million points, you weren't actually going to win a Harrier jet. So um, there was lots of discussion in this about from the marketing team and how they came to that point and where it went. It went, to court they tried to settle out of court then it went to court and went to trial and I won't tell you what happened because it might ruin the documentary for you um <laughs> but it was really interesting. I want to know I haven't watched the documentary <laughs> I was quite oh. enjoying listening to what happens in the documentary want to know what happens no, no, do you, think, do you no, think quite right no spoilers oh I will watch it on Netflix <laughs> um but yeah it was really interesting because obviously like when we do competitions for our clients um we're always really look at our T's and C's in quite a lot Mm. of detail and we've learned haven't we like things like dates or like no purchase necessary or it can't be transferred there's no cash value blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. um so it was really interesting because as I went through the process they spoke to some of the marketing department at the time and talked about it and they were like well clearly it was a joke but was it was it a joke or was yeah. the Harriet like was it clear that it was a joke <laughs> exactly because actually there was no you know also when you see tv ads these days there's always really tiny writing at the mm. bottom that says like um you can't really win a Harrier jet or mm. um you've got to have your entry in by the 31st of June 2023 mm. whatever it might be um so yeah it was really interesting quite interesting on an educational perspective for me as like a 
PR professional. Um, but yeah, I think it didn't make Pepsi look very good mm. in the way that their marketing part- department was organized and the way they'd set out this competition because actually they were quite blase about it when they applied for to buy the seven million points. They'd like ripped up the check um and they'd like laughed in the face of this guy that was like I want my seven million points um and then actually because it was a joke maybe supposedly a joke actually it got really serious everybody listening Becky's doing some quotation marks (laughs) (laughs) was it a joke (laughs) um and then actually got really serious and got quite nasty between the Mm. two parties because the legal team at Pepsi, obviously massive corporation, um, were like, no way, you're not going to win. But then they realised there was an element of it being serious because they offered him a million pounds to settle out of court and go away. Mm-hmm. I would Spoiler. have maybe he gone didn't away. Take it. it went to court and <laughs> there was a big trial. I maybe would have gone away with the million pounds. Yeah, but then you could have um, got a $32 million Harrier jet. jet that you could have even owned or sold or parked in the farm. Lovely. Lovely yes. job. Yeah. Um, we were saying it's quite, and obviously that was, as you said, it's back in the 90s. So I think there's been a lot of learnings <laughs> and definitely. nobody is that, or brands aren't that ridiculous anymore. But there's definitely example, recent examples in there. We've spoken about Brewdog before. Poor Brewdog often pops up in the bad PR <laughs> sections. But um, again, he recently, the one of the founders recently has had to... Um, he was in the news again. He had to pay out sort of almost £500,000 because he said that as part of promotions that you could win a solid gold um, yeah. can of beer. And, and it was just the wording, you know, he used solid gold. And it wasn't solid gold, so it wasn't worth what it was. And, you know, his argument was that he didn't know and that he didn't understand the manufacturing process and he didn't meet sort of mean to mislead but yeah advertising authorities said you did mislead and and it's just it just goes to show you have to be so on what you're doing and so true you can't pull the wool over people's Mm -hmm. eyes and also I think by saying oh we didn't mean it or it wasn't real or oh I didn't know that that was like that just doesn't wash anymore like we've moved on the um advertising association like so on it mm. and like literally you have to dot your dot your eyes and cross your t's because like actually maybe something like this mm. pepsi do goes my jet was just so much of this yeah. huge media appeal at the time yeah but you watch As it you and you're say, like it's... how how is that possible why would you even offer just don't joke yeah and and ignorance doesn't wash does it when people sort of say well I just didn't know it doesn't it doesn't particularly wash when you're because... an organization of that size as well because you clearly yeah. have a huge legal department the HR department marketing team like yeah. you've got the resources to be able to check exactly. what you're doing is legit or right or yeah and with the brew dog example if they'd said whoever was making that for them if they said here you go here's how we're describing it they would have immediately said it's not solid gold it's gold plated yeah just but, say gold yeah, it just, you know, exactly. If you want to be a bit swindly about it, there are, there are ways to do yeah. it that isn't outright, you lying. know, lying. Yeah. Or, but, and it doesn't help, even if, so even if it was a silly mistake, it then goes to show how you need to just make sure you've got everything in order and you've got everybody's eyes on something before it goes out publicly. 
Um, but it doesn't help that for a brand like Brewdog, they they've just got a history of these kinds of campaigns that aren't aren't true or aren't authentic, and it doesn't you know it doesn't really help people's trust in the brand. So I don't know. TBC, how long they'll be along around for? <laughs> although I also although I also think they've got a very loyal following, haven't they? Mm-hmm. So it's you know who they seem do. to kind of forgive and find all this stuff quite funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're quite like, oh, isn't it hilarious? It's part of their like quirky middle finger up to the man personality. And it's like, well, I think a brand yeah. like Brewdog though, like is able to get away with it for that reason. Like people mm. love that it is like such a controversial brand at times. Mm. And they do have quite strong opinions that might be a bit controversial. But then they're still gonna buy them, buy the product, yeah. like consumers <laughs> care. But do they only care to a certain point? I don't, yeah. I don't know if it changes the, based on where you buy a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's on offer in the supermarket, let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to a barbecue. You need some beer. <laughs> what's, what's on offer? <laughs> um, and that will do. Mm. Um, well, I'm going to go and watch Where's My Jet on Netflix. <laughs> Enjoy. Let me know the outcome. <laughs> Um, but thank you everybody um, again for tuning in and listening to us waffle on about some campaigns that we like and dislike Um, as always please do get in touch with us Um, you can email us at hello at adpr.co.uk and reach out to us on our social channels or visit us via the website Um, if you have any PR campaigns that you would like to flag to us please do as well we would we would really like that if there's anything you think we you'd like our opinion on please do get in touch um otherwise we shall see you next time bye